Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com I'm a feminist, but today when I arrived in Auckland... I plan to go to the Auckland Lesbian Museum. Big fan of the Lesbian Museum in Auckland there. But instead I just had a nap and looked at Ruby Rose's Instagram stories. That's the same, isn't it? That's very similar. That's a similar, similar. Has anyone been to the Lesbian Museum in Auckland? I didn't know know there was a lesbian museum. Oh, yeah. I do my research when I come to town. You're not just talking about like an old folks' home that's predominantly... That that would be lovely. What? I tell you, we've brought a musician all the way from the UK, Grace Petrie. She's standing in the wings right now. She's not happy. She's not happy with what Cal just said. What's wrong? She's what she's doing a what I the love fuck? Museums. What what? Hey! How How? did nobody tell me there's a lesbian museum Uh, in Auckland? I will take you tomorrow. You fucking better. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. I promise. If you would like to see, if you'd like to meet Grace Petrie in person, hang out at the lesbian museum all day tomorrow. (laughs) I can't give you a window of time, but I can tell you she will be in there. Um, uh, I, thought, I thought Grace was going to say she was angry at you because you didn't think it was a good idea. This was my idea. I think Grace should call her fans the patriarchy. <laughs> Deborah poo-pooed it. Yeah, I did. Well, I just worry about starting any other archies. Because <laughs> <laughs> archies haven't been good in the history of the human race. Shout out a good archie. Matriarchy. Ah, there you go. Touche, guilty feminist. I mean, is it though? Even a matriarchy, it's still a power base. What about it's run by dogs and it's like a barky parky? A barky parky isn't. <laughs> Come on, everyone, we're going to the barky parky. All right. All right, a barky parky, I admit, does sound like a wonderful form of government. I admit it. <laughs> I admit it. 
I'm a feminist, but sometimes when I'm eating a bone at the park, I don't share it with other dogs. Has anyone here out of interest? I wanted to say, is anyone here to be to the Barky Parky, but that's not true. That's not a real thing. Has anyone been to the Lesbian Museum? What is in the Lesbian Museum people who've been? Just shout out. Good postcards. <laughs> really good postcards. What, uh, what, is that, that sounds like the gift shop. You sound like you've been to the gift shop and haven't bothered with the museum. <laughs> Listen, we've all done that. I don't judge you, but have you been to the actual museum? Hmm? The postcards, are the postcards are about lesbians, but it still sounds like we're fixated on the gift shop. Does anyone know, though, what's in the Lesbian Museum, genuinely? Still, right, we're all going tomorrow. This is outrageous, Auckland. We've got so many Auckland feminists in here tonight. Where is it? They don't even know where it is. It's all around us. Look, you're pointing to the roof like they're on top of the building. We just have to climb and we'll find the lesbian museum. I mean, the thing about lesbians is they know where it is. I reckon they've built the lesbian museum themselves. I reckon they've just done it. Uh, I hmm? What was that? It's in Newland. Newland. Does anyone from? Did you just from... Google it, or are you looking at? You did. <laughs> okay. It's in Newland. We're all going tomorrow. Everyone here. It's not open so tomorrow. What? For fuck's sake! <laughs> when is it open? It's only open Sunday one till four. It's a very well, limited lesbian that, museum. That's, that's lesbians who are really good at boundaries. Hashtag consent. Yeah. I'm a feminist, but when I had a spare hour this afternoon, I thought I could either get ahead on my writing for tomorrow night's mm. Guilty Feminist show or I could dye my hair. <laughs> I dyed my hair. I'm a feminist, but sometimes my on-tour jet lag and general fatigue makes me think, do we need to smash the patriarchy or could we just lie heavily on it and squash it? <laughs> just the energy for smash it. There's a lot of smashing. Very exhausting, isn't it? Mm. Or just like maybe the patriarchy is actually like a waterbed and you just need to puncture it and then it does <gasps> all the work itself. Mm. But if the patriarchy were a waterbed, I would like a nice nap on it first. Mm. And then I would be thinking about all the tapeworms that are growing inside it. Is that what happens in waterbeds? Someone told me that once and Ooh. I've never been able to forget it. Let's talk oh. about the Barky Parky. Oh. So, I'm a feminist, but when I had to go to a new doctor the other day for a UTI, when she asked me what she could help me with, I turned into a prudish 1950s housewife and instead of going, I think I've got cystitis, I went, huh, well, um, my son was at his grandparents this weekend and my husband and I were rather active. Did you use the word intercourse? No, I didn't. I didn't. But I did say, yeah, I think we had too much sex. And then it just sounded like I was showing off. Yeah. (laughs) I'm a feminist, but if I had to choose between a night with famous fictitious misogynist Don Draper from Mad Men or Barack Obama, I would go with Don Draper. He would never call and would make me feel bad about myself because I'd never do anything to jeopardise Barack and Michelle's marriage. 
is what I'd tell myself. <laughs> I'm a feminist. But when I couldn't get on the Wi-Fi at the theatre tonight, I complained to our producer, Jeff, and then when he stood next to me, the password suddenly worked, and I was unreasonably angry. (laughs) Unreasonably angry. Live from the Q Theatre, Auckland, the Spontaneity Shop presents The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis-White. Yes, co-host Carl Wilson and very special guest Jackie Clark talking about being hands-on. This is The Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. Today, I'm with Carl Wilson and we are talking about being hands-on. How are you, Cal? (laughs) I'm good. I'm here. So do you feel that you are a hands-on feminist or do you feel that's hard? Like, do you feel like, you know, because you've got a lot of responsibilities, you've got a big career, you've got a kid, and I know that within that, you're always trying to be hands-on as a feminist, Mm. but do you feel like you get a chance to be hands-on away from those things or do you find opportunities within those things? You're raising a male feminist. I think that's a great thing. yes. He doesn't know that, but that's the agenda. Um, the Trojan horse that his, his dad hasn't worked it out either. I think genuinely the guilty feminist has made me more uh, hands-on about feminism, I think. I think sometimes I'm still like sort of carrying feminism around in oven gloves and I need to put the oven gloves mm. down and just go, here is the hot thing of feminism. What a great metaphor. I'm so glad I started this. Here, what thrust a burning dish of feminism into someone's hands <laughs> and have them drop it and go, oh, it is burning. Yeah. Yes. Yeah exactly where I was going. Yeah, I talked to my son a lot about equality and I talked to him about consent. Like, he's only 10, but, you know, like, I've talked to him about how, um, I don't know why you thought that was weird, uh, but I've talked to him about, like, he had a friend at school who was uh, trying to get a girl to do something she didn't want to do, and I was like, you stick up for her. No one ever has to do anything that they don't want to. Someone's trying to get them to kiss, and I was like, you don't have to kiss anyone that you don't want to, and she doesn't have to kiss anyone you don't want to, and I thought it was, like, the first step in going, everybody should have a good time with their own bodies in their own time without other people going, you should Mm. kiss in the playground. Mm. I think there are all sorts of ways that we can teach all children, no matter their gender, to be more consensual, even just in terms of coercing. You know, children are so coercive uh, to other children, and that is part of childhood Mm. growing up and learning to negotiate and learning. But I think we can be more proactive in terms of our ability to get them to understand other people's autonomy and that you don't like it yeah. when but some of that means that we have to drop some of the coercion that we put on them mm. while still training them to be good people and getting their fucking shoes on and getting out the door on time and so it's very difficult because a yeah. lot of parenting is coercion it's bribery it's you know how mothers start and i always thought when i was growing up i thought when i am a parent i'm going to ask really nicely i'm going to be like oh whatever put their shoes on i don't know why parents have to be like put your shoes on but when I became a nanny, I understood why. And it's because you say, put your shoes on. Where's everyone going to put their shoes on? Let's make a fun game of putting our shoes on. Oh, we've got to get out the door now. We've only got a couple of minutes to put our shoes on. Let's see who can have a race to be the first to put their shoes on. Can you put your shoes on, please? Be great if you put your shoes on. Put your shoes on, please. Put your shoes on! And eventually, to start with that, because yeah. you just impa- you haven't got time. <laughs> and that's why parents are as they are. It's not their fault. <laughs> it's not their fault. I was, I was having flashbacks as you said all that stuff to me. Like, 
Like, I've started saying things my mum said to me. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, shit, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing a Barbie. Like, I'm, oh, mm. her name's Barbara, but we call her Barbie because she doesn't like it. Um, <laughs> she's Hashtag adorable. consent. <laughs> she's adorable. This is nothing to do with this, but this is entertaining me so much. She gets her words just confused, and it's, it's not getting older or anything. She's just always got them confused. She said to me the other day, oh, you know what he's like? He could talk the hind leg off an iron pot. I haven't been able to stop thinking about it. I'm like, is it a cauldron situation? Like, what? What is happening? So, an example of hands-on feminism is you saying to your son, right, well, you can get involved. You can be an ally. And don't touch people where they don't want to be touched. That's the thing that I say to them. Don't touch anyone where they don't want to be Mm. touched. And if you don't want to be touched, don't let anyone touch Mm. you. The hard thing that I find is I want him to be absolutely happy and fine with his body, but at the same time, sometimes you have to wear pants. Like, <laughs> and it's sort of it, it's framing that framing that as mm. I don't want him to be ashamed of himself, but, you know, if the doorbell rings, we should be at least a little bit clothed. Mm. I was reading a book called The Ethical Slut. Has anyone read that? Some ethical sluts in. What up? It's a very interesting book about monogamy and the nature of getting everything from one person and that kind of thing. And it says we all have some shame around sex because even if your parents were super, super, super liberal, they had to teach you that grown-up people masturbate in their bedroom, not in the living room. (laughs) So we've all got a certain shame around sex because we all know at some point we've got to shut the door. (laughs) And I thought, I've never thought of that before. Mm. That there is a certain amount of, I've got to deal with this on my own time. Yeah, so it, it's not appropriate we, we call at that Christmas. Private time. We have private time to ourselves. Yeah. This is very similar uh, to what happened in a show that I was doing recently where I was talking about how um, parents tell their children that when a pet dies, some parents say, oh, it's gone to the farm, like, you know, Flicky's gone to the farm kind of thing rather than saying that they've died. And I was talking to a woman in the audience whose dog had died when she was eight and I said, when did you realise he hadn't really gone to the farm? And she said, when I was 14 and I rang the farm and they'd never heard of him. Oh, wow. So her parents had gone to the trouble of nominating a farm and, I was, and she felt quite embarrassed about having been so old to work it out. And over the other side of the audience, there was a guy just kind of doubled over, shrieking with laughter. And I went, what, are you all right, mate? And he goes, I'm 35, I'm just working it out now. <laughs> like he was having the revelation at that moment. And I said to him, oh, look, I don't like people to have their phones on in my show, but I'm happy for you to call your mum. Like you can... <laughs> call her now and he turned that down but after the show he sent me a screenshot of the text conversation that they'd had and it was just her apologising for every animal Are you ready for the stand-up comedy? Then please welcome to the stage the incredible Carl Wilson! So I've never been a particularly practical person. I'm purely for decorative purposes, I realise, in most of my life. But once I had a child, I had to start getting hands-on with things. And children are a very good way to show you that you can do stuff you didn't think you could. And you can lower your standards far lower than you thought. was possible. I, I remember there being a moment when my son was about six months old and I said out loud to my husband, it's just a bit of wee, I think I can go to the supermarket in this top. <laughs> which is not something I would normally say. Uh, (laughs) And you go through experiences with your kids that you probably wouldn't put up with from someone else. Like, for example, my son is the only person in the world that I would ever allow to vomit in my eyes. Uh, 
I mean, I'm sure I could earn money off it on some weird porn channel, but... He has vomited into my eyes and we still have a relationship. That's how much I love him. Uh, but there are just moments that you're not prepared for. So one night, uh, my husband was away. Things always happen when my husband goes away. Uh, my son was about two and a half and he had a sore knee, but it was time to go to bed. And so I tucked him into bed and I went, get some pawpaw ointment because pawpaw fixes everything. And I got my new vat of pawpaw ointment that I just bought. It was about 60 litres of pawpaw ointment. And I got some pawpaw out and I put it on his sore knee and I went, there you go. That's all right. Now your sore knee is fine. You can go off to sleep. And so I tucked him in. I said goodnight and left the room and then about 10 minutes later I thought I'll just go and check on him I'll just go and see that he's all right and I peeped into the room and in the gloom I could sort of make out that he was sitting on the edge of his bed and he appeared to be shimmering slightly (laughs) and I turned on the light and he was sitting there covered from the top of his head (laughs) to the soles of his feet in pawpaw ointment (laughs) he looked like he'd been buttered And he was sitting on the edge of the bed, blinking at me, like sort of... (laughs) Because he had poor ointment in his eyelashes as well. And it was so unexpected. All I could do was just laugh my ass off. I just stood there and laughed at this little buttery golem that was just sort of sitting there. And I asked him what had happened, and he goes, oh, my knee was sore, so I put some more pawpaw on, and then the bit was sore next to it, and then he'd just gone the whole way... He used three quarters of the new jar of pawpaw. And I, I didn't know where to start to deal with it, like because there was pawpaw on him, there was pawpaw on the carpet, there was pawpaw on the sheets, there was pawpaw on the walls. There these little pawpaw handprints everywhere, like sort of adorable crime scene. And so I just sort of, I just was so helpless that with laughter. I just sort of stood there for a few moments and then I, I was like, I could deal with the sheets and I changed the sheets and I got just enough of the pawpaw off the walls that all the dust stuck to it forevermore. And then I had to deal with him and I managed to get kind of the excess pawpaw off him, but then I just had to rub the rest of it in. And so it was like I was conditioning a leather handbag and I was just, <laughs> oh, like he was so supple afterwards. He will last for years. So I got him all relatively clean and I tucked him back into bed. I said, good night, okay, good night now. And I left the room and it was still funny. Like I was still laughing to myself as I went down the hallway. But I had neglected to make the connection that children are like comedians. And if you laugh at something they do, (laughs) they will do it again. And so I poke my head back in the room and he's used the rest of the jar. He's sitting on the side of his bed again doing the little buttery golem thing, but this time he's like, ta-da! And that is why I have lovely soft hands. Uh, (laughs) And probably the time I've been the most hands-on as a parent. I just made that sound like I've neglected him in every other way. It does sound a lot like that, but I know that's not true. No, he's pretty good. He's Although, pretty good. where is he now? I don't know. <laughs> he's playing basketball with his dad. Yeah, be fine. His dad's um, going to win. He's a lot taller. Yeah. And what I love about your relationship is that his dad is the primary carer. Yes, yeah. Which I think is so great because it's representation for all of the kids he plays with. So there'll be little boys going, ah, oh, I'd love to be a full-time dad when I grow up. And if you, because if you don't see it... You don't know that it happens. No. The, the, the confusion comes uh, from when Digby describes it. Uh, so he tells people that mummy does shows, which could be anything. Um, 
and who knows, I'm branching out. Uh, <laughs> but he also doesn't, he doesn't notice that Chris works from home. So Chris works as well, but he mm. works um, from home. And so when people ask what his dad does, Digby goes, he plays golf. Wow. Mm. So they think... Well, they don't think he's professional. They just think he swans about. Oh, I see. Yes. But that's what women have had for years. Oh, all the swanning about. Oh, she just has lunch. That's what (laughs) women have had for years. And in fact, she, you know, is the CEO of a charity or something like that and works from three days a week at home and six days a week in the office. And, you know, and... That's a nine-day week. I mean, we can do it. do it all. (laughs) Our guest today started the aunties seven years ago, coordinating donations for a refuge organization using social media. Since then, she has gone on to win Supreme Woman of Influence 2018 and has been awarded a QSM in the New Year's Honours. The aunties has become an organization well known for their no-nonsense, no-judgment brand of getting stuff to people who need it and for using the Farnow model to bring people together to support each other. Please welcome to the stage the incredible Jackie Clark! Hello, 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 Jackie. Take a seat. It is so wonderful to have you here. Now, we've got a lot of global listeners, and they won't know what the aunties is. So can you explain what the aunties is? Well, global listeners. Um, These are women who have lived or are still living in what we would call domestic violence and all the manifestations of that, physical, emotional, you know, mindfuckery, all that stuff. And... They've decided that they're ready to heal, you know. Sometimes they've left the relationship. Most of the time they've left the relationship. Sometimes they haven't. And it's just us facilitating access to resources that they may need and removing. My particular big thing is removing barriers. And I don't know. There is a cartoon here in New Zealand about a rugby playing field and that when a child is born, you know, there's a fence. So my job is to remove the fucking fence. Could you give us some examples of barriers? So, for example, cars is a really big thing, you know, and the women I work with are all uh, mostly Māori women, and there is a specific... I work with a lot of people every year doing different things with them, but there's a specific fan of women of about 25 to 40 women um, who've decided to stick around, and we have a kind of a familial relationship, and they decide what that looks like, not me, and so that's emotional support and material support, what have you. And today, one of them texted me and said, and she calls me Jackie Boo, and she goes, Jackie Boo, my car's fucked. What do we do? Because we've already paid 500 bucks to fix what was wrong with it, and now it's not safe, and it's juddering when she drives it. And I'm going, darling, we don't have enough money. You know, it sounds really big money, and but we'll, we'll figure it out together, you know, because that's how people find their power, is when they have access to resources and there aren't too many barriers when there's as many barriers as there have been in these women's lives. And they're women who have grown up in a really under-resourced community. South Auckland's, as I call it, deliberately under-resourced. I don't use the word poverty, because fuck that shit. That's a systemic thing. Mm. Um, yeah, and so Because yeah, ev- the resources are barriers, channeled barriers, elsewhere. Barriers, barriers, yeah. Can you tell us some other barriers that make it very difficult for women to get out of situations 
in which they're experiencing violence and coercion and that you can help with? Well, I didn't leave for 28 years and my husband died and that's how I left it. He left me. And I loved him a lot, but he was an abusive prick. And that's the worst of the abuse. He didn't touch me physically ever. And so I always say I'm the face of domestic violence in New Zealand because that's most of what it looks like here. Uh, It's white middle-class women like me. And I know that because I get hundreds of emails every year from women like me. Yeah, and so, sorry, what was your question? I've lost the gist. So what, what are the barriers to, for oh, people leaving or, oh, or facilitating? Leaving. Like, what do the aunts, the what, aunties what do? We, okay, yeah. so if somebody's living in a relationship, really, that's abusive, and a few of the women have just made that turn now, that really is about walking alongside them for long enough through everything. And I have worked with a couple of their partners as well and had conversations about their actions and stuff. And people who are abusive don't normally change their stripes, you know, but these women have got a dream and they've attached the dream to the person they're with and it's really hard to let go of that dream. And I don't know, I think I've been told that there's 425 women in here mostly cis women. So I'm going to tell you right now that the stats will tell you that a third of you have lived in abusive relationships and that stat is incorrect. Out of 420 of you, there's probably around just under half of you that have or still are uh, in all the manifestations of what abuse looks like. So the way that we work, that I work, because I'm the one who does the frontline stuff, is just I just walk alongside them and I'm there 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 and sometimes I get frustrated, even I get frustrated. And they just, some, yeah, they, come, they come to a point where they're ready because that's the biggest barrier. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're in a controlling relationship and people say, oh, why don't you leave? You know, it's mm-hmm. like they're in a controlling relationship, you dick. But also, you know, I said I did a live on our Facebook page this morning. I celebrate women, anybody in an abusive relationship. I don't say, why don't you leave? I say, how the fuck did you do that? That's amazing. Mm. You know? Because there are so many barriers to that. And for the women that I work for in particular, there are financial barriers. There's the hanging on to the dream. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a really, really huge one. And it's from years of talking, talking, talking to them about that and getting that across. And they listen to me because I've lived in it and I know what it looks like. And I'm a very privileged person because I was brought up in a well-off family, right? But they get that I know. And I swear a lot. And I used to drive a shitty car and I smoke as well. But, yeah. It's quite good. So how do, so how do women find you? Like, how do they Online, find the answers? mostly. So the women who are the close far now, I've been working with some of them for seven years and some of them for a year. And they find me. They message me through Facebook or they text me because my phone number's out there, and they just, they refer other women. Mm -hmm. So about three or four of the women have been referred by other women who are going to drug courses or workshops of some kind and said that this woman, and I'd really like you to contact her, and is it okay? You know, and I would say, well, first of all, is she okay with that? Like, is she Mm -hmm. ready for that? Because I go really deep, really fast, and if she's not ready for that, it's really harmful. So I have to make sure people are ready first to tangle with this mess of menopausal fucking deepness. Um, you know, I'm pretty fearless. I can say, I'm a feminist, but I still blame my loss of memory on the menopause, and I've been through the menopause for quite a number of years. <laughs> <laughs> you know, 
But you know, and that's there. Yeah, there's so many barriers, but I think the main ones are the one that I personally work with. There are the financial barriers for certain, you know, and the judgment. They fear the judgment mm. from people. One of the girls I work with has got three children to three fathers, and she stayed with the youngest child's father. And she says to me, you know, he's okay. You know, he's young. He's he's all right. But he, she goes, I just want my kid to have a father in their life. Mm. And that's what they all want because that's what most of them didn't have. They want their kids, like all parents, to have what they didn't have, you know. Mm. And that's kind of a really big barrier to staying. So, yeah, it's just just walking alongside them. That's why I use that term because sometimes it's for a very, you know, it's always, there's, it never stops, it never ends. Mm. Yeah, so it's support for practical things. Yep. Um, firstly, listening, being a support system. Yep. When that woman is not ready to leave, yep. but also if that woman or non-binary person is ready to leave, yep. then you find the support because often a controlling relationship will mean that they're not in a situation where they can just walk out the door. And so yep. they absolutely need some facility, yep. some cash, uh, someone to fix their yep. car, um, yeah. groceries, that kind of thing. I've been the dirty secret. So quite a number of the women, yeah. Right. Yeah. Somebody who's going to support <laughs> on the outside. And um, then I meet their partners and I look them in the eye and I go, I see you, fucker. And they get really scared of me and it's quite useful. <laughs> quite scary. Being fat's quite advantageous. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com I love Jackie as we were talking before backstage about mm. fearlessness and mm. that you mentioned you know you are fearless so I imagine that is a comfort to women who are afraid mm. to have someone who is fearless walking beside mm. them but they're not fearful of their relationships necessarily these are women mostly there are a few women still who are entangled because there's kids involved you know mm. come on now but for some of the women they left 35 years ago you know so it's less of the fear of that relationship and more the fear of judgment mm -hmm. in their whānau. We're putting a book out this year through a really big publisher and I'll be trampling around the country promoting it and they're all anonymous and that's not to keep them safe from ex-partners or whatever because there's a bit of a myth about secrecy and privacy. That doesn't keep them safe, by the way, most of the time. So it's that kind of thing of they really fear the judgment of their whānau. They really fear the judgment. Mm -hmm. And that's a huge barrier as well. You know, because they can't go to their families. Their families are often emotionally and financially struggling as well. And I have a lot of discussions with women around. But they're struggling. You know, and they get really upset and really distressed by the fact that their families aren't supporting them. And I'm going, how the fuck are they going to do that? Like, 
They're also financially struggling. They're also emotionally struggling. Your mother's also living in an abusive relationship. So kind of how is that going to happen for them, you know? So I kind of, for some other women, and I don't say this lightly, I take that place for them, mm-hmm. of their mother. And, um, but that's their denotation, you know? Mm-hmm. I've got a 65-year-old woman who texts me three times a day and she says she's my best friend and I'm not her best friend. She's got a lovely best friend. She is a lesbian, an old lesbian, by the way. Um, you know, I don't think she knows what the museum is. She'll think that's fabulous. <laughs> As I say, New Lynn, this is quite funny that the lesbian museum is in New Lynn because that's, that's where the Pottery Museum is too. <laughs> the Pottery Museum? There is a Crownland Museum... And we'll we'll partic- pop in one with that. Yes, well, yes. So, you know, that's the thing. All these barriers, all these barriers, all these barriers, and I'm really good at figuring out what barriers mm-hmm. there are and how to fuck them off. Mm. And it seems to me, Jackie, just from you know, following your Facebook page, that yeah. you are also really good at specifying what people can do to help you and to help the yeah. women and their families, yeah. like practical things like clothing. But I also it really struck me when you've asked for food donations that it's not tin tomatoes. Oh, well, I don't ask for food donations anymore because I'm not working with safe houses anymore. Okay. But that was a particular safe house, and the woman who runs it is actually one of the whānau now, not because of DV, but she fell on sort of straightened circumstances. She's at home looking after my little dog, by the way, because we've become very good friends. But that was about her refuge, and... I remember going down there and saying, well, what do you need? Because she got in touch with me and said, well, um, an offering to help us. And I went, no, 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 you don't understand, buddy. This is how this works. And she went, all right, well, come and see us. And she opened the cupboard and went, look at all the fucking tin tomatoes. <laughs> like there's 25. And I know, I know, because I used to go to Mangali Refuge all the time, and I know what the pantry looks like if you're not careful, you know, because people are very kind and well-intentioned and are really shit at giving. <laughs> You know, very generous people, New Zealanders, but very shit at giving. So you say I'm very specific. I'm a real bitch about it because I don't care how offensive I am or how hurt by it people are because it's not about you. Mm. Right? It's about them. Yeah. yeah. Could you? Sorry about it. No, no. I, it's amazing what you're oh, doing. I've offended a lot of people. <laughs> Could you just define fun because I think a lot of uh, international listeners won't know what that so means. So whānau just means it's family. So in Te Māori, there was the iwi, which is the sort of the tribe, and a hapu, which is more of a family-based thing, and then the whānau. But in our, for our purposes, it's a whānau of women who've actually chosen to be a whānau of women, and that happened actually just recently. I've been working for them with them for years, but we started to have get-togethers, and the first one was I got a grant for $2,000 from the Women's Fund, and... We went to a very posh hotel and had lunch. Um, very posh hotel. It was very lovely. I was quite a frivolous video submission I made to the fund. I'm taking the girls out to dinner and you can all get fucked. Um, and they, they bought it, you know, and so we went for lunch and the girls are like, we really love it and, and connecting with each other. So now we do a lot more of that stuff. So it is becoming this group of people who are supporting each other. And what I'm driving towards, because I'm a heavy smoker, I've got maybe 20 years left to live. So what I'm driving towards, and I'm like, you know, I'm quite impatient about this shit, is the woman running the organisation. And so they then become the support and the support network. Mm-hmm. And they start doing the work. And some of them are already doing the work, so yeah. Wonderful. Do you need more volunteers? No, we don't take volunteers. Okay. Do because you... the women the women do it all. Yeah. Wonderful. Do you need money? Fuck yes. Okay. <laughs> is there anybody here who has money? Um, no, seriously, is there anyone here who can raise money? So firstly, is there anyone who has a corporate job where there's corporate responsibility funds 
where they might be part of a women's network or something that they think they might be able to divert anything from $500 to $10,000. There's lots of corporate responsibility funds have that kind of cash. Or you could do a fundraiser at your corporate organization. Maybe you could do like a, a quiz night or something like that where you could raise some money. Does anyone here work for a corporate? Just shout out if you work for a corporate that you think you could do something like that. A couple of hands. A couple of hands. Don't be shy. Just shout out. Just go woo. Great. Okay. All right. Super. So we've got a few people there who could do something like that. Do you think you could do it in the next three months? Yes. Okay. Yes. Just woo if you could do it in the next three months. Three to six months. Yeah. Okay. Great. Super. So uh, will you do it in the next three to six months? Because that's different. Because I'm watching you. No, no. <laughs> will you do it in the next three to six months? Yeah. Okay. Great. Okay, is there anybody here who's more got more of a sort of arts-based community job but thinks they could do something similar lines, but, you know, like a room above a pub fundraiser or something with their family or they're planning on running a marathon and they haven't decided on the charity, something like that. Can you give us a cheer? Great, okay. Do you think you could do that in the next three to six months? Is there anyone here who doesn't think they could raise any money for the aunties in the next three to six months? Just cheer. Oh, okay, great. (laughs) Super. Um, What excellent parent work you just mm, did there. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Guilting. Very well well done. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, honestly, that's a bit of hands-on feminism that Auckland can do for the local aunties. Mm. And you know that that money will be spent well and that will change the lives of women some women who might be in this room. Mm. And that's what feminism is. Mm. I think the question is, how serious are we about feminism? Like, I know this is a light entertainment show. I know that. But I also know that light entertainment can do heavy lifting. Mm. Because... There are serious spaces where everyone thinks, was well, it very serious? And, and, and a lot of us feel like, I'm not sure I'm serious enough to be in that serious space. Am I going to get found out as somebody who has not read the complete works of Sylvia Plath and Maya Angelou? Am I, am I going to get caught out as somebody who doesn't know the names of everyone in the cabinet? Am I somebody who's not really heavyweight enough to be in that lightweight space? Am I too lowbrow for the highbrow? And I think what The Guilty Feminist is is a place for people who are compassionate but would like to be more actively compassionate and want to get better, want to build muscle. This is not a space where we just go, I'm a feminist, but I'm not very good at it. Lol. It's not that. Oh, that's what I head down for tomorrow night. It's not a lot of yeah. lol, though. It's a, it's a place to ex- exfoliate the stuff that doesn't matter. Who yeah. gives a flying fuck if you mm. didn't watch that documentary about New Zealand being the first place for women to vote and instead you watched Married at First Sight. It doesn't fucking matter. It's not going to change anybody's life. It doesn't fucking matter. But if you were to just say to everybody in your immediate friendship group, right, we're all going to dinner and we're going to work out something really fun that we can do and my plan is to raise $500 that's our minimum. Maybe we'll raise $1,000 for the aunties. I'm going to tell you all about what the aunties is. We're all going to go out for dinner like we normally do, but instead of just laughing about boys and jobs and cocktails and then saying, oh, isn't the world shit? We're not going to do that. We're going to talk about those things. Then we're going to go, how are we going to raise a grand for the aunties? And we're going to come up with something really fun. And we're going to invite all of our friends to some you know, ridiculous costume party or something like that. But we're going to tell them all why we're doing it. 
Because all of those people that you invite and all of those people that you tell who may not see themselves as feminists will go, oh, that's interesting. There are people living in our community. And you can say, some of them you'll know. Some of this money will be diverted to people you know and you don't know that those people need it. So if everybody here could do one project, I know everyone won't. I already know everyone won't. But I know some of you will. So it's up to you to decide if you're one of the people that's going to do something or not. And if you've got such a hectic schedule, if you've got a huge job and you think, I just can't do another thing and I don't want to walk away from here feeling guilty, I didn't come here to be made to feel guilty, that's fine. If you've got a huge, great big fuck-off job and you just can't do it, make a $5 direct debit once a month. That would help. If you are somebody who's got no money and no time, that's fine. Amplify on Twitter. Just do one thing. But if you are someone who reckons, I do get together with my girlfriends quite regularly, I would like to do a guided tour of the Lesbian Museum. <laughs> I could, you know, we could say to the Lesbian Museum, could we do a fundraiser there? You know, like, I actually would like to be more hands-on in my feminism. If that's what you want, if that's what you say you want, then meet someone here tonight in the foyer after this show. Connect with someone you've never met. Go just go and talk to someone in the foyer. Grace and I are going to be out in the foyer afterwards. You're going to be milling around out there buying Grace's CDs. If someone's bought books, I'll sign them. Talk to each other and go, yeah, I'd be into this, but I don't really know anyone else. Connect with each other. We're who we've got. Yeah. That's all we've got. It's us. So it's us or nobody. So let's say it's us. Thank you so much, Deborah. It was really amazing. And I might... Um, add, we're not an organisation that gets funding or grants. We are fully supported and funded by private individuals, you know, who over the last seven years I've built this community and I'm quite clever on social media so I've raised a lot of money and it's just people who know where the money goes. They may have met the woman sometimes. You may never meet them. It doesn't really fucking matter. But you know, it's not about, for me, it's about if you've got privilege, you better fucking use it, mm-hmm. you know. And that doesn't mean that you go to a charity and say, this is what I'm going to do for you. What you say to them is, what can I do for you? Mm-hmm. And I know from very, you know, pushing shit uphill experience that when you say money, people suddenly lose interest. Then I never wanted you as a donor anyway, you know. I want people who understand this is not about you. This is about people upon whose backs, and I'm really sorry, I'm taking it to a very deep place here. No, no, we love a good change on the um, feminist. Bit of deep, bit of deep, because, uh, yeah, hard, strong and deep, that's always good. Um, you know, that basically, I remember sex, <laughs> that uh, <laughs> for a long time ago, because my husband had leukaemia. But, you know, that's the thing is that you own your shit and you own your shine. That's part of what I talk to my the woman that I work with about. But, you know, we're a very niche organisation, I guess, because it has to be that way, because my girls deserve the fucking best and they're going to get the best. So, you know, every year I raise between, oh, I don't know, two hundred and fifty dollars and $300,000 and everything but $3,000 of that is spent on the woman. There's a storage unit in my phone bill and that's about it. And also I'm paid, but I'm paid from a separate account. So people who pay into that account, that's a different thing. So, you know, we're an organisation that really relies on people's compassion and kindness, but more than anything else, their non-altruism, if you like. Mm. I don't trust altruism. Good doers are not good in my book. Um, so, so, how, yeah. so how do we find you? How do we... How, if www.aunties.co.nz, all the information can be found there. 
And we will put that in the show notes. And the Facebook one is facebook.com backslash refuge aunties. Like I said, that was when I used to work with Mangani Refuge, so we can't okay. change it apparently because Facebook don't like you to change your name. Far be it for anyone to do anything on Facebook that yeah. wasn't right. Um, <laughs> it'd be awful. Oh. I want to ask you what gives you joy in what you'd like. Tell us the... Are you kidding me? My whole fucking life gives me joy. You know, my whole life. I mean, I'm very honest about this. I was a stressed out kindergarten teacher. I was about to have a nurse breakdown. My husband was not well. My dog was very aggressive. I was running the aunties as well. And I said to my husband, let's sell our house. We sold our house for $1.6 million. I bought a house in Manadewa for half that amount. Um, we lived on our savings for the first couple of years. Then I started getting paid, not very much. Then I met a rich woman who said, I'll pay you the other half. My joy is that I get to work with these unbelievable human beings, you know, who have never read any feminist theory, mm. but they're more fucking feminist than anybody in this room. And the reason they're fem- more feminist than anybody else is because they know what sisterhood looks like, because that's how they've survived. Them supporting each other, mm. I just facilitate that, right? Mm. I'm nothing to do with it. It's just like, they go, ah, gush, gush. And I said to her, but that's your power. I don't want your power. It's your power. You know, I've got my own power. I don't need yours, you know, because that's another thing that's really important for people who are living in relationships like that is that every interaction you have with them has to be about their power. It has to be about recognising that you've been living in a relationship for X number of years or whatever where you feel like you have any power or agency in your own life, you know, and lots of agencies that they deal with from women's refuge organisations to whoever – Every interaction makes them feel powerless and tick boxes and you're not doing this right and all that sort of stuff. And I'm like, it's your power, man. You've got this. And you do that for year after year after year after year and we're getting there. We're having a public, we're having a meeting with all of them um, next month because I want to have them all in the same room. You know, because asking for help is very difficult for people. And I know that most of you out there would find it really hard to ask for help as well. And if you're in the audience tonight and you're feeling like, oh, God, I'm sitting here thinking about, oh, I've got all this white privilege and, you know, the power structures support Caucasian people more than indigenous people in this country or more than people of colour, privilege is nothing to be shirked. No. You know, people go, oh, I'm not privileged because I've got this and this and this. But privilege is a wonderful thing. Wherever you've got privilege, Celebrate it. privilege is influence. And influence mm. is a steamroller and a forklift. You can get things out of the way. The question mm. is, are you only getting things out of the way for yourself and people you love mm. Mm. or people who are like you? Or are you getting things out of the way for people who can't because of systemic power problems mm. in the history of the world? That's the only question yeah. you need to ask. But also, you know, white feminists who are paralysed by guilt are inactive. And when you're inactive, you know, fuck it used to me, you know? Mm, absolutely. That's why we exfoliate guilt. That's why we do I'm a feminist, but it's, yeah. it's jokey, but it is an exfoliation. It's going, I'm not going to go, oh, well, I'm not really a very good feminist, so therefore I don't deserve to speak up in that meeting and go, sorry, Tony, <laughs> I, uh, I haven't finished speaking there. And you, uh, you clearly thought I had. And so I'm just going to continue while you stop talking. And what I was going to mention, actually, was, in fact, that I'd like to do a fundraiser for the aunties here at Accenture slash EY slash JP Morgan slash TSB, TBS. Yeah. Um, 
What, what's T? Is it TSB? TSB. TSB. What's yeah. that? Called? What is that? It's Taranaki Savings Bank, isn't it? Yeah. The what? Taranaki the Savings Bank. Yeah, Taranaki. Taranaki we were, Savings we were at the Bank TSB Bank. Arena last night in Wellington. Don't mean to go on about it. And yeah, and I kept thinking, I don't know what this means. Um, it's a local reference, global listeners. You won't know either. It doesn't matter. So if you're laden down with guilt, as you say, that's right. So you know, look around you, connect, find somebody else here tonight, and do a thing. Because when I come back to Auckland either end of this year or next year, I'd really like to see what's happened yeah. and I'd like to get you back and see if any of the Guilty Feminists have plugged in, <laughs> created projects, started funding. If you could connect in when you're doing these things, if you could hashtag Guilty Feminist mm. or at Guilt Pod on Instagram with the Guilty Feminist so we can kind of see if this community works. So shall we try that? Yeah. Great. <laughs> Sorted. You are amazing. <laughs> Seriously, it is just simply a matter of having a microphone. Do you know, though? Just get a microphone. So I'd, when they emailed me to do this, I'd never heard of Deborah or the Guilty Feminist. I know, how shameful. Um, and to You've go to been s- busy. There's only though. one podcast that I listen to, and it's to go to sleep to, and it's a, a white English comedian. Um, and I do fall asleep to his voice. So, and I've what, never What's gone, his name? I can't remember. Adam Buxton? <laughs> no, it's not. No, 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 no. He's a funny-looking chap, and he wears skinny jeans, flannel shirt, woolly jumpers, and he's in his fifties, and he's got a young child. I think he had yeah. Robin Ince, Richard Herring. Oh, yes. Richard Herring. Richard Herring, right? Don't tell him I said Look, that. I I go, oh, sorry, we're on no, the radio. No, we did it. We did a, it's not live. Don't worry. We can edit Oops. it out. So right, anyway, the point so is I will be listening to, to you him. from now on I'll, and I will not be falling no. asleep. Hey, people people do. Yeah. People do. Because there's nothing and, more that I like than funny fucking women. And I work with a lot of funny fucking women. Well, you know, some people say they do go to sleep with it because you're in their ear and they're kind of whispering to them as they fall asleep and there's nothing more intimate. Uh, so, in a way, you're it's having a relationship a with Richard Herring. Think, yeah. <laughs> you just, Richard Herring, know you're in a relationship with him, that he's the last man you speak to at night. I'd hate for him to think that. I won't tell him then. <laughs> I don't. No, no, once you've had a dead husband, you don't want any fucking other men in your life. No. Thank you. No, thank you. You're going to say you don't want any lovely, men Lovely human ears. beings. Lovely human beings, I'm sure, but I don't want them near me, no. <laughs> Fair enough. So, it's like you're either a cat person or a dog person, and you're not a man person. No, not. not no. 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 Not really, no. Um, <laughs> Some of my best friends are bit. <laughs> yeah. Are we ready for our incredible final act? <laughs> Keep that applause going for the one, the only, the legendary Grace Petrie! How you doing? You good? Good stuff. Uh, give me a shout if you've heard me before. Anybody here? Oh, fucking hell, blimey. Okay. Where have you been all my life? Um, have we got any be um, Irish in or with Irish family at all? Hi, hello. Um, I've toured Ireland um, twice. I've done two tours of Ireland. Uh, I love Ireland as, as a place. I love the people of Ireland. Um, I have no fans in Ireland. Um, uh, we, I, we, we've, we've looked into it quite extensively. Uh, I'm, so I'm a folk musician. Uh, folk is my sort of genre. Any folk fans in the room? Yeah? Cool. So I got into folk music sort of comparatively 
late compared to a lot of my peers on the folk scene in Britain. So, you know, I, I feel like it's this beautiful language that I'm still sort of learning. Um, and if you know anything about folk music, you'll know that Irish folk music is about as good as folk music possibly gets, right? Um, and I was doing this gig in Galway, and I was walking through the streets of Galway. It was a Saturday night, and um, just out of every single... And I knew I'd sold fuck all tickets for this gig that I was walking to. And just out of every single pub doorway, I could just hear the most incredible folk music just being played live just by the people who, who kind of live in Galway. And I thought, you know, fair play. Even I don't want to be at my gig tonight. There's a million better things that you could go to in Galway. So, um, and obviously Galway is a place that has had many songs written about it. And I was talking to my friend, and I said I was going over to, to Galway, and, and she said, whatever you do, don't write a fucking song about Galway. And I regret to tell you, Auckland, that that is precisely what I did. So I'm going to sing you this uh, tonight, and this is a fairly new thing. <clears throat> well, it's my first time tonight in Galway, and on every single street, I can hear the hometown players, and I know I can't compete. I've got no audience to speak of, but I take it on the chin Cause I'm the worst thing on in town tonight And it's ten euros in <laughs> Well, the promoter's setting out all of the chairs that he can find I tell him that optimism isn't what I look for in his kind <laughs> Still he's confident of walk-up But I don't think we've got much chance it's the first show of my life that was more expensive in advance. And I'll never be at Sheeran. And God knows I'm no steve I'm 400 miles away tonight from my Derbyshire girl. And if temptation should befall me to overstate my worth, at least there's always Galway's to bring me down to earth. Well, I've played rooms of hundreds that have never felt so loud Cos it's not the size of the crowd that's in the gig But the gig that's in the crowd Yeah, and tonight they are heroic They're response enough to seem Like they could fill a football stadium When they're a few short for a team <laughs> And we're halfway through the set list And the finish line's in sight when in come five drunk fellas and they're making it a night. And one hollers, are you doing classics? Because if you are, we'll pay. And he's not convinced by my assertion that there'll be classics one day. Because <laughs> I'll never be at Sheeran. And God knows I'm no steve -O. I'm 400 miles away tonight from my Derbyshire girl And if temptation should befall me To overstate my worth At least there's always Galway's To bring me down to earth Well I walked along the shoreline I looked out across the bay I felt the threat of creative juices overflowing to cliché. Oh, and I fought the inspiration, I swear. I tried to hold it off. I said I would never write a song here because this town has suffered enough. <laughs> God knows I'm no steve -o. I'm 400 miles away tonight from my Derbyshire girl And if temptation should befall me To overstate my worth 
At least there's always always to bring me down to earth. Well, guitar in hand, I'm walking to my hire car down the street. I can hear the hometown players, and I know when I'm beat. Someone asks me what my act is, and I can't suppress a grin. When I say I was the worst thing on in town tonight for ten euros in. Thank you very much. You have been listening to the Guilty Feminists with me, Deborah Francis White, guest co-host Hal Walsall, our very special guest, Jackie Clark. Live music was from Grace Petrie. The Guilty Feminist theme tune was by Mark Hodge and produced by Nick Sheldon. The producers were Tom Selinsky for the Spontaneity Shop and Jeff Ring for Australian Comedy Management. Thanks to everyone at the Q Theatre as well as all of you for listening. More information about this and other episodes, visit guiltyfeminist.com. I don't <laughs> You throw Paul McCartney down. I go, don't treat him like that. I pick him up. It's getting strange. The starts of these are getting much weirder than they... We've been on the road a mm. while. And there's a, we've got to that point where on stage and off stage are the same thing. Which is always a joy. Mm. Um, but we've both put pants on, so that's a plus. <laughs> this is basically our dynamic off stage, except we're not wearing bras off stage. I don't I have any evidence Cal is wearing a bra now, to be honest. Yes. <laughs> I had to think about it, but yes, I think we're all present and correct. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com.